Well, let me welcome back Kevin Luco here to Systematically Wild. And man, Kevin, what a very tough week. Thankfully, able to break it a little bit on Martin Luther King Day for the Minnesota Wild. But wow, tough week for the team otherwise. Yes, it's um, it's the middle of winter, but apparently it's roller coaster season in Minnesota. And, <laughs> you know, we talked about the Monday night loss, but, you know, Wednesday you have the optimism of Jasper Volstead making his NHL debut to a disappointing debut to Friday night. You have a two-goal lead in the third period. You think you're going to break the losing streak? Give up two goals, losing overtime. And then I think the... Ride hit the lows of the lows on on Saturday night, losing to Arizona six rip at home. But then you know the roller coaster rises again on Monday with a nice five zero victory to give Mark Andre Fleury number the number two spot in all time wins. Plus, you know they got some got some guys back, so so we'll see where the coaster takes them next. Well, as Kevin began to talk about there, so we were on the air last week during the 4 nothing loss to Dallas, um, and very tough loss for the club out there, as Matt Murray, who was an absolute nightmare for the Iowa Wild, proved to be true for the, for the Minnesota Wild as well, um, shutting them out. But Wednesday, as Kevin mentioned, Jesper Volstead comes up there, gets his first NHL start, I, you know, kind of the first NHL start, I, I understand he gave up seven goals, but I, I still look at it and think you're just trying to learn what the NHL hockey is like at that particular point. So I, I, I don't want to be really critical of his performance. No, there, you know, there were some goals where maybe he was a little slow in the trigger, but boy, you know, that's tough going into Dallas and those, got, those experienced goal scorers down there and trying to, hold them at bay, especially when your defense oftentimes was leaving you hanging out to dry, too. So, you know, yeah. And, I, you know, I thought Volstead had the right approach afterwards. He wasn't happy with his performance, but right away he wanted to take to the video and uh, see where things went well, see where things went wrong, and now he'll head back to Iowa and get back into the groove down there and build upon what he learned in the NHL, and hopefully when he's needed in the NHL again, which I'm hoping it's not until next season, he'll be ready. Well, this was a pretty good game for the first couple of periods, Kevin. It's just a three, trailing 3 nothing through that. Matt Boldy scores early in the third period, his 14th goal of the season, to cut it to a two-goal advantage. And I, You know, the team kind of opened up their play trying to get back into this contest, and as you were mentioning, leaving ball set a little a guy on an island at, at times in this period. So he get, gives up four goals in the period, but as you mentioned, defense wasn't always gathered around him to kind of help him out there. And so unfortunately he winds up taking a tough loss there. You know, and I want to go back a little bit to that shutout in Minnesota. Matthew Murray is your number three, maybe number four guy on your depth chart for Dallas Stars goalies right now. If I'm a team like Toronto where they're struggling to find a good starting goalie and they keep falling back on Ilya Samsonov, even though his save percentage has been dreadful this season, if I'm Toronto, I'm giving Dallas a phone call, you know, kicking at the tires a little bit on a guy like Matthew Murray. 
I completely agree with you, Kevin. And, and I understand there's a lot of people out there and say, well, it's a big leap from the AHL to the NHL. But he showed that it wasn't for him, <laughs> you know. I mean, he came up and, and blanked the, the Minnesota Wild right off the bat. And, and this, this kid's got skills. I mean, he, he's got ice for veins and, and just, man, I, I'm telling you, this, this guy's the real deal. So I think you're, you're talking about a, a real good plan if I was a team looking for a goaltender right now. Well, he's made the adjustments seamlessly from college hockey to the AHL, and he's had a good accounting of himself in the limited action he's had in the NHL. And now he's, he's back down with the Texas Stars because Jake Ottinger is back. But, boy, I... And I know Remy Poyer is um, seen, uh, I believe, as their goalie in the future down there. So, you know, Murray would be a pretty nice... Um, trade chip to a team like Toronto where, you know, Toronto's got some talent too. They could send back Dallas's way and both teams could um, benefit from such a trade. On Friday night, a tough loss against the Flyers, as Kevin was talking about there. They uh, scoreless first period. Minnesota jumps out to a one nothing lead one minute into the second. Philadelphia able to tie the score a little less than three minutes later. Then in the third, Ryan Hartman and Matt Boldy score goals within the first five minutes of the period. Things are looking really good for them, but Philadelphia comes back with two goals in the span of about a minute and 30 seconds to tie the game midway through the third period, then wind up getting the game winner 3.36 into the final, uh, into the extra session, excuse me. And uh, a tough 4-3 to three loss in a game you felt like you, you had to feel a little bit like you gave away. Oh, you definitely gave it away. You know, that's... Uh... Two goal lead in the third period. You have to lock that. You have to lock that down, and not even just lock it down, but build upon it. And Minnesota just seemed to sag in the third, and um, you know, uh, an emerging Flyers team took advantage of it. So, yeah, that's um, you, yeah, you get the loser point, but boy, it was a that was a tough pill to swallow. If that wasn't bad enough, a, a night later, uh, as Kevin mentioned. Arizona comes to town. Connor Ingram with 38 saves in his, I believe, NHL leading fifth shutout of the season, if I'm correct about that. Um, they they got just dominated in that contest. Three goals for Arizona in the first period. They had two in the second and one in the third. Wild were never really in this game at all, and unfortunately a 6 nothing loss to the Coyotes. Nick frickin' Buke said with a hat trick. I know, like nine goals this I mean, year the guy has. Where was, where was this when he was with Minnesota? He had plenty of chances. Maybe he was just never healthy with Minnesota, but, I mean, you know the guy's got talent. We all saw him play in college hockey, how good he was with the University of Minnesota. And he started off his career pretty good with Florida, but, boy, I didn't see any hat-tricks when he played for the Wild. And, I don't know. It just seems like the Wild have a knack for making their former players look good in their head-to-head matchups with them. But they just, from Park Drop, just didn't have it on Saturday night. And, you know, you read articles up here, and it sounds like, you know, not only are the injuries going through the team right now, but illness also, you know, as you're getting the flu season. Philip Gustafson came back and looked very rusty in his outing until he was pulled after five goals were given up. So just all in all, just a really bad night for Minnesota. 
the penalty kill had been looking a little better, Kevin, but gave up two goals on three uh, shorthanded situations on, on Saturday, and I thought, but that was kind of a little bit of a step backwards there as well. Yeah, and, you know, it was their third game in four nights, too, where, you know, the general consensus was the, the team just didn't have their legs. Well, we're looking for the bright spot, and we'll get it on Monday night here as Minnesota comes away with a 5 nothing victory over the New York Islanders to close out their homestand here. And as Kevin mentioned, Marc-Andre Fleury with the big victory there stops all 21 shots. And you know, I, I love this guy. Great career that he's had out there and just continually finds a way to impress. Even God, he's got to be like 37 now. Or am I, pretty close to that, I would 38 think. or 39, I believe. Okay, yeah, so a little older than I thought. Or if you ask Brian Duhame, 50. <laughs> Absolutely. So congratulations on, on, to him there, second winningest goaltender in NHL history. Uh, this game is a quickly just recap here for you. Uh, Minnesota with a goal in the first from Zuccarella, his seventh of the season, 2-11 into the contest. Connor Dewar and Erickson Eck score in the second, and they add two more goals. Erickson Eck with his 17th of the year, and Felina with his seventh with uh, a little less than a minute left to close out the scoring there. Power play goal for Erickson and a shorthanded goal for Erickson Eck in the game there, Kevin. Yeah, I think, you know, lost in all the the um, misery in the first half of the season, and, you know, Kaprizov getting off to a slow start and then getting injured was – the relative consistency in which Joel Erickson Eck has played the entire season, you know, his goals aren't going to be of the highlight um, real variety, but, you know, he just, he finds himself in the right places at the right times to get goals, and that's why he's pacing the team so far. So 18, 20, and 5, Kevin, 41 points. They are eight points behind Nashville in this division. Nashville fourth in the division right now. Um, seventh place finish. If you're looking for those final two playoff spots right at the moment, you're looking at 49 points for Nashville, then 47 for both Edmonton and Seattle in the number eight spot. And uh, that's a tough call out there, Kevin, especially this week traveling on to Tampa Bay and Florida in back-to-back nights before heading to Carolina on Sunday. Uh, Man, that's a tough southeast swing. You know, it's going to be a tough road for this team the rest of the way out because they're just there's a lot of teams that are going to have to leapfrog to get into the wild card chase. And two of those teams you mentioned, Seattle and Edmonton, have been playing exceptional hockey as of late. You know, the pundits are saying Minnesota's got like the next to um, like the 31st. Um, strongest schedule the rest of the season meaning that they have a they have a week schedule the rest of the season but you know can this team as it's currently constructed take advantage of that you know you you dwell upon the positives that other than Jared Spurgeon being out that the team is healthy again so you know, there's a you know there there are, there are no more excuses here. Team is as about as healthy as it's going to get, and you know they're going to have to. Like, you can't just mail it in any night when you're down as far as you are. You're going to have to go on this um, East Coast swing and 
have the mentality that you're going to take at least two games out of it. You can't you can't be thinking any other way right now. There, you know, the time for feeling sorry for these guys is gone. You know, the the thing I think you look at here, Kevin, and you say to yourself, "Wow, look at that Edmonton on that ten game winning streak," and and they've just been dominating those games too. And you say, "Well, you know, all it takes is a a, a rather hefty winning streak." to put yourself in a position to wind up getting a playoff spot. Like if the club went seven straight games with a victory, you would, with victory, you, you'd say, man, I mean, that that's probably putting them right ahead of all of those teams or, or very close to it. And so you're in that number seven or number eight spot. I just look at this team and think to myself, there doesn't look like there's a seven game streak in this team, maybe a four, but I, but I don't see a prolonged streak like that for this club. I guess what we're seeing is maybe it was the new coach bump that got them, what, 11 out of 14 games for John Hines' first yeah. 14 with Minnesota. It, was that the team? Was, was it a coach bump that got that team going? You know, we're, what is the real Minnesota Wild? Is it the team that finally won one game out of their last nine, or is it the team that did have that bump after John Hines took over? I guess it's it's up to the 20 guys in the locker room to figure out what kind of team they want to be. And with the way the salary cap is and Minnesota's trouble with it, it's not like they can go out and make a ton of deals and shake things up and try to make a run at it. It's going to have to be the team as it's currently constructed that's going to – dictate what the destiny of the team is going to be this year. Are we looking at a team that can make a run in, maybe get that last wild card spot, or is this a team that's going to have a pretty nice lottery pick in June? So I guess, you know, obviously wait and see, but don't expect a big shakeup coming up with this team because right now it's just not possible. You know, the closest I guess we saw was on Monday with two veteran defensemen, John Merrill and Alex Goligoski, both um, were in the press box while young Damon Hunt got a chance to play on a third pairing. So, But it's going to be stuff like that. It's not going to be a thing where, you know, you're going to trade a bunch of guys because, well, Bill Guerin tied his own hands with that when he made these deals with Zuccarello and Hartman at the beginning of the season with no trade, no move clauses in it. So it'll be interesting to see what we're going to see out of this team in the next month or so. You know, they get done with this road trip out east. They come home and have three more home games with Washington, Nashville, Anaheim. All three of those are winnable. But then after that, you know, you – they go into their bye week and then the all-star break. So it will be interesting. You know, they say sometimes um, teams can be kind of boring when they're not good. Well, sometimes when they're not so good, it can be exciting in its own little way because you just never know what you're going to get out of this team. And if you're looking for help down there at the farm club, Iowa Wild really had a tough week, Kevin, so I don't know how much help you're looking at down here either. No, there's really not any guys that are having breakout seasons. I guess one guy, I wish he would have had more of a 
you know, he was affected by injuries the first half of the year. Caden Bank here is, had, is making a good showing of himself, scoring clutch goals. But, you know, guys that are the future cornerstones of this club, no one, nobody down there is really having the kind of season that's going to make you say, hey, you know, this guy's a, this guy's a future of the Minnesota Wild. You know, the thing too, Kevin, is that looking at this Iowa Wild team, they, they go through a tough week here too. Head out to San Diego, split a series out there for two games, uh, then head to Tucson on Martin Luther King Day where they lose 3-1, to going to have another contest against Tucson on Wednesday. But this club right now has fallen down and into seventh place in this division behind Chicago right now. I, man, I'm not really sure what they were expecting out of the coaching staff to turn things around, but it does not look really good for this team either. Well, I think much like Minnesota, this team is finally getting healthy again. Yeah, I was joking about it throughout the week. It's kind of funny that now that the team has a road trip where they get to go out to San Diego and Arizona, all of a sudden everybody's healthy again. <laughs> Um, Mirellis is back in the lineup again. Adam Beckman's back in the lineup again. It seems like this team is starting to get some bodies back and maybe getting to the team that they thought they were going to be at the beginning of the season. But it's still not translating into a ton of goals. And it seems like the it's still a very young, very green blue line. And there was an injury to Andy Walensky, late in the game in San Diego on a Saturday night where he did not play on Monday. And if Walensky is out for an extended amount of time, that is going to hurt the club because he's, since he was acquired early in the season, he's become a steady presence on the blue line. But, you know, this just like Minnesota, it's uh, it's been an unpredictable club, and I think it's, you're not going to be seeing guys on Iowa get them moved either. So it's going to be the guys in the locker room right now for them, too, that are going to dictate what kind of team it's going to be. Well, they do get three points out of the weekend. So they, they dropped Friday night's contest, 3-2 to two in a shootout. Uh, as Kevin mentioned, Caden Bakier played very well, had scored his fifth goal of the season, 438 into the first. San Diego responds with two goals in that period to wind up taking the lead. In the third, it is Jake Lucchini scoring his 10th goal of the season, a power play goal, 541 into the period to force the extra session. Nobody scores in overtime. Then it is San Diego getting two of the three, scoring two times in the first three rounds to wind up getting the 3-2 to two victory. Um, a solid performance out of Zane McIntyre, Kevin. He stops 24 shots. Peyton Jones is his backup that night, does not appear in the game. But pretty solid performance out of Zane McIntyre. Unfortunately, his team comes away with just a one point out of it. If there's been a positive of this um, tough stretch for Iowa, I think it's been that Zane McIntyre has had a steady load of work that's allowed him to get into a groove. I know the results aren't showing up for him in the terms of wins and losses, but I just feel like he's been playing a very solid um, game for them, and it's given them a chance to win every night. On Saturday night, a scoreless tie through the first two periods, a fantastic battle between uh, McIntyre and Kale Klang. Um, both of the goaltenders looked absolutely spectacular. San Diego scores 6.06 in the third to take the lead on a shorthanded goal. 
Jake Lucini scores his second goal in as many nights to tie the game at 9.03. That forces overtime where Ryan O'Rourke, with an assist from Zane McIntyre, mind you, out there, sets up the play after making a big save. Michael Milne then sets uh, O'Rourke up for his second goal of the season to deliver the game winner. Nice little comeback, a great goaltending battle. It's one of those things I look at, Kevin, and I think to myself sometimes as a goaltender, when you've had just such a solid weekend and you're shutting a team like San Diego down on their home ice and you're getting nothing out of it, to come away with that overtime victory has to be very satisfying to McIntyre. I think so. And, boy, you know, if you gave me a list of guys on that roster that were going to be the guys that scored an overtime winner, I wouldn't. I would not have um, Ryan O'Rourke on the top of that list, but um, good for him. Absolutely. On Monday, uh, a tough loss to the Tucson Roadrunners. Uh, This is, again, a scoreless tie through the first period. Uh, Then Tucson scores twice in the second. Josh Doan with both goals in that, including a power play goal. Stephen Fogarty scores his sixth goal of the season to cut the deficit in half. But Tucson adds an empty netter with 24 seconds left in the contest. McIntyre with another big outing for the club. Stops 22 of 24 shots. So gave up five goals, Kevin. I think saved about 76 shots over the weekend. Um, that Zane McIntyre is back, Kevin, is what I would say. Yeah, I'd say so. And it's going to be interesting to see what the, what's going to shake out there as far as what um, Brett McLean does with his goaltenders uh rest of the season now that Jesper Valset is back with the club. Well, you got to think that Minnesota would be leaning on Iowa to go, hey, look, we want everything you can test Volstead because that's our guy. You know, I mean, we're already giving him an NHL shot, but I guess it depends on whether they see him as ready for this season coming up or whether they just want him to continue in that rotation they've been using. What, what, what do you think would be the philosophy you would want I, how you would want Iowa using him? I think you kind of want it on a timeshare because it's not like Volstead's going to come to Minnesota and all of a sudden be playing 60 games a year. You know, it's going to be Philip Gustafson's net after this year, assuming Mark Andre Fleury does choose to retire. So it's not like they're going to be counting on Volstead a ton, but. Um, so I I I think you uh, you probably go involved in like two of every three games and just slot in McIntyre on one side of uh, the back-to-back games. If there's anything you're looking at for the silver lining of this, even at 29 points, sixth place in this division out there, you're tied technically with Chicago. It's five teams making the playoffs because they play that play-in game series right off to start out with. Grand Rapids is just four points ahead of you for fourth place, and just five points ahead of you is Rockford. So maybe Texas and Milwaukee are a little bit difficult to catch up to, but the other couple of three teams in front of you are are, are easily attainable if this team can find up, wind up getting some kind of a streak going on, Kevin. And as you look at this week coming up here, they stay in Tucson for Wednesday, then travel to Rockford on Saturday. And that's going to be their only two games of, of this week before then returning home to have Texas come to town for early games next week. So um, Rockford and Texas are the teams you're, you obviously want to get victories against. So, that you know, that this team has their shot to do something. Yes, you know, those games are, you know, the proverbial four-point game. You know, 
you're four points behind somebody. If you lose, you're six behind. If you win, you're only two behind. So I know it sounds cliche, but in the situation, it's the truth. I mean, we saw it with Minnesota around the first of the year with Winnipeg. You know, they were closing in on the Jets, and you um, they were four points back or eight points back. Instead of winning two and being four points, they lose four and they're 12 back. So I can't emphasize how important these games within the division are. Absolutely. But the positive being, uh, they have those opportunities to do something. So I don't think there's a lot of games outside the, the division remaining on the schedule. They've done their trip out west, I believe. I don't know if they have another one or not. No, I think that San Diego comes to town at the end of this month, and I think that after that is just staying in the division for February. I think they get a visit from Hershey, too, late in the year. Yes. Yes. So, but it, it, in between of, that, a lot, of, a lot of chance to make up points in your own division. Right. And if you, as you mentioned, I mean, you're, you're healthier. Uh, the Minnesota club is healthier, so you know you're going to keep some of these guys around for a it, unless you have some, some another big injury bug time, you should see a lot of these guys remaining with the team so they can build up some chemistry and really be a formidable opponent heading down the rest of the year. Well, let's talk about the ECHL club here tonight, Kevin, and a uh, very nice week for the Iowa Heartlanders who not only split their series with Tulsa, but grab a big 5-4 victory on Martin Luther King Day against Cincinnati, and uh, man, 2-1 for the Heartlanders. So, nice week for the club. Yes, it was going on the road, and, you know, getting uh, splitting with the Tulsa Oilers and then coming back and getting that dramatic victory on Monday. At, you know, Drew DeRitter was very good in goal uh, both of those games. So let's start out with the uh, Friday night affair in Tulsa, three to two victory. As Kevin mentioned, DeRitter very good in that contest, up twenty four of twenty six shots. Um, Iowa trails one nothing early in the first period, but gets back to back goals. For first of all, scoring twenty three seconds after the Tulsa goal, Nick Campoli with his fifth of the year. Then it is Brett Budgel scoring his sixth goal of the season with one forty one left in the in the first period to give the team the lead. Alec Butcher scores to tie the score, tie the game at two, but it is Liam Coughlin with the game winner, 7.54 into the third. Then DeRitter took over from there. Kevin looked very solid in net, and I think we talked a little bit last week. He was kind of the extra guy, but all of a sudden proving to be a very formidable guy between the pipes right now. You know, you look at it with the Heartlanders, and... It seemed like Hunter Jones, or I'm sorry, Peyton Jones was starting to sag a little bit, maybe from having too much of a workload. But boy, Drew DeRitter has taken the reins, and I just, you know, it's three goalies and one net. It's going to be interesting to see how the Heartlanders play that for a while. So, but I'd call that a pretty good problem to have. But absolutely, you know, happy for DeRitter that you know he came in came into the season as a number three goalie, waited patiently, and has now taken advantage of his opportunity. On Saturday, the team does come away with a point out of this, so a nice uh, three point performance there in Tulsa. Uh, they fall behind one nothing in the first period, but it is Jake Durflinger scoring his fifth goal of the season, ten twenty seven into the second. 
to tie the game. Eddie Matsushima scores the game winner 109 of the extra session to give Pulse of the victory. But DeRitter looked very good in this contest. Stops 29 shots. It's just a phenomenal performance by Julian Junka for uh, Tulsa, who stops 33 shots, including 14 in both the second and third periods. I mean, it, you know, you got to tip your cap to just a fantastic performance by the Oilers goaltender to earn the victory. You know, sometimes they call the game goalie because I mean, it's just that one, that one guy having a hot game can totally. Um, Swing the skills around from you know you get play a strong game dominate every area but boy if you can't get one past that guy standing in front of the net it's a long night for you. And what I thought was was very poetic about that Kevin was that you you dominated in so many ways but you didn't win on the scoreboard and then you look on Monday Cincinnati had 23 shots in the second 49 in that contest you look at this game and you think to yourself. They're they're leading, you know, four to one, four to two in this game. This game was over. I mean, they but somehow or another, Iowa comes back to to earn the victory. Uh, Maxim Kajovic, I think is the way that that is. Okay, Kajovic. No, Makovic. Kakovic. Kajovic. All right, let's say it Rob. Kajovic. There you go. Thank you very. See, I'm getting. I'm getting my. I'm assuming. Check or some kind of <laughs> lesson here tonight. He scores the tying goal and the game winner in overtime uh, to give Iowa the victory. I talk about just a, a game you had no business winning, but you come away with a win. That, that's just huge for this club, especially against a division opponent. And the genesis of this story goes all the way back to Tulsa. The Heartlanders bus started on fire, and the team had to unload all the equipment, get a backup bus, and then make the trip all the way back to Iowa. And as we know, the travel in the Midwest has been anything but stellar as of late. So, you know, they rolled back into town to probably a pretty bleary-eyed group, and that might explain how they got dominated as much as they did in the game by Cincinnati, but for them to find the resolve to come through and come back to tie the game and then win it in overtime, I just think speaks volumes about this team. Absolutely. I I get more impressed with this coaching staff and how they have this team prepared for game night after night every time I watch them. And, uh, you know, you – Kind of a last-minute hire, assistant named up to be the head coach after the previous the the guy who was supposed to lead this team for decades to come uh, decides to head for Europe, and it, it, man, just a phenomenal job. I, this team may not go very far, may not even make the playoffs, but I'm, I'm sorry, coach of coach of the year prospect. I'm talking out there, Kevin, for sure. He's definitely learning on the fly, and that's you know that might be sometimes that might be the best way to learn a job. Absolutely. Two games against Wheeling. They come to town on Friday and Saturday. It is a Philly at night on Friday as they will honor both the Minnesota Wild and Iowa Wild, celebrate that part of the affiliation, and then Dash's birthday on Saturday. I know you got him a present, Kevin. Yes, it's in the mail. I just addressed it to Dash Extreme Arena. I hope it gets to him. 
14-6-6 right now in seventh place, tied with Wheeling technically. So you're facing the team that's, that's tied with you right now. And if you can come up with a four-point weekend, that would actually, if, if the teams above you didn't get any points, and they'd still have a shot for that too. But I'm just saying if they didn't, that puts you tied at third with Indy. So, um, you know, this is an opportunity to really start making a splash out there. And just as much as it's important for those Iowa Wilds, with so many division games. We're going to see a lot of division games here for the Heartlanders. So time to be paying attention to those four-point swings there as well. Yes, it is. And it seems like um, the Nailers have been a team they've had some pretty good success with. So hope for the Heartlanders that they can get on a roll. Absolutely. And I believe that this team, I'm just going to check this out. So, yes, they stay in, in the division until the final game of the season when they will welcome the Kansas City Mavericks to town. But if there's a super great thing, I think you're looking at this, only four games left with Toledo this year. So, man, got the got the walleye off the schedule and don't really have to worry about them. And, and so you got to feel very, very confident about – I guess they do have two against Wichita, so I'm sorry about that as well. But very confident about a, a possible run here with um, – not having to face a walleye very much over here for, to close out the year. So, playoff team, Kevin, are they are they pulling it out? We shall see. You know, it's just a matter of getting hot. And, you know, maybe this will, the kind of win they had on Monday against Cincinnati, maybe that's one of those wins that galvanizes the club. And, you know, like we spoke about with the two other teams, if they can stay healthy and they're not pulling apart the Heartlanders roster, then, you know, maybe we could – see this team go on a run too well kevin usually closes us out with a a great story from minnesota wild lore but him and i were talking earlier tonight about a great story in the echl i'm sure you want to share so let's talk about that to close out the show here tonight kevin yes just another great hockey story emerging terry ryan who was a highly regarded prospect for the montreal canadians at one time Played some games in the NHL. 47 years old now. He's living in Newfoundland. Friends with a bunch of the guys on the Growlers. Uh, He got a call on Saturday that they needed him to play with the Growlers on Sunday to fill out the roster for a game on Sunday. uh, Ryan found this out while he said he was having a few pints. On Saturday night, so he said he went home, drank a lot of water, and got himself ready and played in the game on Sunday. It was a 6-2 loss for the Growlers, but, um, you know, still a fun day as Ryan got to, as a 47-year-old, got to play in, in another professional game and even partook in a fight later, late in the game. So that's why it makes hockey so great. Kevin, is that uh, it's it's the unusual, unique story that, that really just speak to hockey lore. I mean, how many times did we see with, you know, like um, Bobby Hall and Gordie Howell, those guys playing so late and into their lives? So, you know, just another story. If you just take care of yourself and you're in the right place at the right time, you know, you can have a lengthy career. Absolutely right. So Heartlanders fans, Wild fans, you got your shot. 
<laughs> still may come to you out there. Kevin, thanks for joining me this week. My pleasure.